Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Glad you made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you watching online around the country and world, wherever you might be. It's always great to have you join us. We know this is your connection to our church and our church to you, so welcome to you. And Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad to have you join in today. Um, that little promotion video you saw uh, promoting our series coming up in January, January 7th and 8th called Hooked. You're not going to want to miss this series. It's going to be about dating, marriage, and relationships. We're going to talk about a lot of dicey stuff, but it's going to be a, just a lot of fun. You just want to be, be a part of that series. All of us are in some kind of relationships, whether it's family or dating or whatever it might be, or marriage. All of us are in some kind of relationship because life is about relationships. And so we invite you all back uh, for Hooked, January 7th and 8th. We are so honored that you join us for our Christmas Eve service. You know, some of you love coming to church this time of year, but for some of you, maybe it's the first time in a long time, or maybe ever, whatever the case might be, we're just glad you're here today and have enjoyed it so far. You know, the past four weeks, we've been in a series called What Keeps You Up at Night? And I think what keeps a lot of people up at, up at night is uncertainty about the future, uncertainty about their health, their career, their kids, their relationship status. Don't raise any hands, but all campuses and watching online, how many of you have lost sleep over something that is uncertain in your future? A lot of us do. I have in our basement brought with me a box. This box just sits downstairs, been there for years, over 20 years. And it's kind of a box of keepsakes, things that I've never been able to throw away. They've just been in this box forever. And you know, they, they all have meaning to me. And the first one, of course, is a set of deer horns I've got to show you this. Uh, nothing special to those of you who you know, are hunters, but to me, this, this holds a lot of meaning. This is my very first buck back in 1971 when I was 14 years old. There was a foot of snow in the Allegheny Mountains. I was hunting with my dad, and it was opening morning, and an hour after daylight, 16 does filed past me, followed by this lone buck. And my 32 Winchester found its mark, and I was so excited. I ran down the ridge a quarter mile to tell my dad my very first year. And on the back, it says, Bobby, my dad wrote this, Bobby, 1971, first buck, Pennsylvania. And I'll never forget that day, November 28th, 1971. Uh, this softball is signed by 10 guys uh, from the First Baptist Church of Fallen, Wisconsin. Fallen Wisconsin. Our team was the Fallen Angels. Isn't that a great name for a church team? The Fallen Angels. And 33 years ago, I was their pastor. And every time I see this ball or pick up this ball, I go right back to third base under the lights on a ball field surrounded by cornfields. My wife and I lived there for five years. And I'm telling you, nobody would have predicted that my future would include grad school at Penn State University or Eagle Brook Church. This is just never dreamed that this would happen. Then Alzheimer's disease that took my dad. And then my mother remarrying a guy by the name of Bud at age 79. I never saw it coming. But she said, hey, this Bud's for me. So that's the end of that. This is a bracelet that was given to me by a girl when I was 14 years old that says, Bob on the front and love Carlene on the back. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I really probably shouldn't even have that because uh, my wife is Laurie. Anyway, uh, this is, a, this is a, a, a collar that belonged to my Chesapeake dog who I just adored. 
Her name was Bear, and she got me through some really, really hard days. She's the reason I believe all dogs go to heaven. Although my new dog, Blue, <laughs> might be going, he might be going to hell. He's, he's torn up. He's torn up so many things in our house. I love him, but I'm telling you, he's a sinner. Uh, but there's something in this box that means more to me than anything else. Dozens and dozens of love letters that my wife, Laurie, and I exchanged some 40 years ago when we were dating as teenagers and early 20s. And recently I went down to the basement, kind of got the box off the shelf, and I began reading some of these love letters, and I got emotional because I had forgotten just how madly in love we were. We actually used words like honey and babe. <laughs> so it's so embarrassing when I think about it. We, if we said those words today, we'd just laugh at each other. <laughs> when I was a junior in college, I went away to Europe for a couple of months, and I was so homesick and, and missed her so much, I read these words. In one of these letters, I wrote this, I wish you were here, honey. I miss you so much. I guess it's good for me to realize what it might be like to be without you. Seriously, if something ever happened to us, I would move to Alaska, build a cabin, and live by myself the rest of my life. I love you so much. I'm counting the days. Hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses. Bob. I was a goner. I was just flipped out madly in love. You know, these, these letters, and I still am, by the way, these letters remind me of a love that was so passionate back then but was really uncertain. I mean, if you would have predicted that someday we would be married and have two adult married children, a grandchild named Ibby with two more grandkids on the way, I wouldn't have believed it because what's missing, what's not in this box is our wedding album. Our wedding day was so filled with conflict and tension between our families. It was a bad day. It was. We don't talk about that day much. I mean, it took years for us to patch things up. The truth about life is that it's very uncertain, isn't it? You can have it all planned out, but then it takes a turn that nobody saw coming, and that can keep you up at night. For example, I wonder... In a crowd like this, all six campuses watching online, how many memento boxes have a portrait that's now broken of a marriage that didn't make it? You know, of a little boy, a little girl who had so much promise but didn't turn out the way we wanted of a friendship that went cold, of an application or manuscript that was rejected. You know, some of you have a picture or memento of a parent who decided to leave. Author Lisa Turkhurst writes these words. She says, every day, my dad fed my fears by using the word divorce because if he left us, then who would I be? A little girl without a daddy felt to me like I was without a place in this world. I thought if he couldn't love me, then who would ever love me? And so in Lisa's box are photos of a missing dad that nobody can replace. Several years ago, an online magazine asked this question. It asked, 
If you could summarize your life in just six words, what would those six words be? One person wrote back to this magazine and quoted Ernest Hemingway, who said, my life could be summed up in these words, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Sort of says it all, doesn't it? So much promise for a new baby. But then life took a cruel turn and their box was filled with tears instead of pictures. And so I don't know what's in your box or what's missing, but friends, I'm telling you, God knows. And he understands. And he is willing to enter that loss with you, to heal you, and to save you. One of my favorite Bible verses in the Bible is this, for God so loved the world. What that means is God so loves every one of you He knows you by name. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your fears and your failures. But God so loves you that he gave his only son, Jesus, and I love this next one, that whoever believes in him, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, whoever believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. Not just when you die, but this eternal life can begin now on this side of heaven and you can experience a new kind of love and a new kind of peace and a new kind of healing if you'll make Jesus your savior. And that's the Christmas story. That God wants to heal us and save us from whatever's missing in our box and fill it with such abundant love that it overcomes any pain that we might have. You know, when I think of a memento box filled with uncertainty, I think of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And Joseph was a guy who had dreams for a great life, but then it took a bad turn, and his dreams were crushed. The Bible tells us that Joseph was an honorable man in every way. He honored God in his work as a carpenter. He honored God in the relationship with the woman he was in love with and planning to marry, so much so that Matthew 1.18 says that Joseph and Mary had committed themselves to total sexual purity in their courtship and total sexual purity in their engagement. Joseph was a guy who put God first in every part of his life, and he, he had reason to believe that God would expect to bless him for it. But then his life took a bad turn. Mary tells him point blank that she's pregnant. And before she finishes the sentence, Joseph just feels sick to his stomach and wonders, who's the other guy? I mean, instantly, his plans for the future are never going to be the same. And he knows it. I mean, imagine his anguish, and some of you maybe have experienced this. He's been honorable and faithful, and he thought he was engaged to a woman who was committed to those same values, but apparently the joke's on him. You know, Mary mumbles words that she hasn't been with another man and that the pregnancy is somehow a God thing, but I'm telling you, the feelings of betrayal swirl around in Joseph's spirit, and I just want to pause and raise a question for all of you. What do you all do? when you receive news like that? What do you do when you receive news that drains the color out of your face, when you get a notice of betrayal from a spouse or a friend 
or a medical report that turns your life upside down. You know, most of us think the worst, and we lose all hope. But I want you to see what Joseph did from the Bible, the gospel story here in Luke, or in Matthew. It says, because Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he decided to break the engagement quietly. You know, even though he's received the worst possible news, Joseph tried to do an honorable thing, and he just kept trusting that God had a plan. I mean, he kept believing that somehow it would work out and that good would come from this, even the worst possible news. He just kept believing that God had a plan for his life. In fact, the Bible goes on to say, but as Joseph considered breaking the engagement, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said this, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit of God. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded and took Mary home to be his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, even though Joseph has received the worst possible news, he still thinks God has a plan. But initially, the plans that Mary and Joseph had about having normal kids and watching them grow up on the streets of Nazareth, Nazareth were just shattered. In fact, the Bible says as soon as Jesus was born, they had to flee like refugees to Egypt to avoid being killed by King Herod. This lunatic king heard that a newborn king, a newborn baby king had been born. And so he just put out an edict to slaughter all the firstborn newborn baby boys. So Joseph and Mary took their new son. They fled to Egypt as refugees. Then they had to endure endless criticism. As Jesus began to grow up, he began making claims that he was actually God in the flesh. And Mary and Joseph didn't get it. And they were embarrassed and received all kinds of criticism from the public and even family members. Why is Jesus making these claims? Eventually, they got the awful news that their son would die on a cross at age 33. But gang, I'm telling you, Joseph never wavered. Even though he didn't understand why things happened the way they did, he still trusted that God had a plan, and he ended up playing a major role in God's purpose to redeem the world that we're still all talking about some 2,000 years later. Now, with that as a background, the question I want to ask for all of you to think about is this. How should you handle the uncertainty in your life? You know, maybe like Mary and Joseph, some of you just received news that just shakes you to the core and was unexpected. What should you do when your plans for a normal life take an unexpected turns? I have two thoughts for you on this Christmas Eve. Don't let the uncertainty in your box cause you to doubt God's plan. No matter what's going on in your life, God still has a plan for you. Joseph, the Bible says, decided to break the engagement quietly but an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, don't be afraid because fear is the first thing we feel when something is uncertain. But the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, Joseph's box is filled with uncertainty. His fiance's pregnant, he's not the father, and all he's got is some angel telling him not to be afraid, but he never doubted 
that God had a plan for him because the next verse says this, when Joseph woke up, he simply did what the angel commanded and took Mary to be his wife. He didn't freak out. He didn't act irrationally. Instead, he was calm. And I'm telling you, gang, he just trusted that God still had a plan for his life. By the way, I don't do this very well. I'm notorious for reacting poorly when something isn't right in my box. And this is a real trivial example, but my initial reaction when I can't find my wallet, for example, when that's missing, when I can't find my keys or phone, you know what I do? First thing I do is I accuse my wife for moving them because she does that a lot and just drives me insane. Now, sometimes I move them and I just forget about it, but a couple months ago, she moved my favorite Under Armour shirt and it drove me insane. I looked everywhere. And the more I looked, the more irritated I got for about a week. It bothered me. And I actually carried a critical spirit toward my wife. But one day, I went to Snap Fitness where I work out. And even though I knew it wasn't there, I grabbed a little lost and found basket. And it must have been a total miracle. Because even though my wife doesn't work out at Snap, there my shirt was. Just where she had put it just where I had put it. And I do this all the time. I'm such a knucklehead sometimes. But my point is, when something's missing from my box, when something isn't right, my immediate reaction is to lose hope, think the worst, and doubt God's plan for me, and that's just over a lost shirt. What if it's over a lost marriage? And all hope is gone, you think. And there's no future, you think. And it's really hard. What if it's a lost son or a lost daughter or a lost career or dream or friendship? Can I tell all of you something on this Christmas Eve 2016? At all campuses watching online, here's what I know. There will be times in your life When your future is uncertain, everybody will face that and there's no answer. There will be times when you can't see the answer and you can't see God's plan. But I want to challenge you. I want to ask you, even though you don't understand and can't see what's ahead, will you still choose to trust that God has a plan for you? Because he does. I love Jeremiah 11. Look what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Those of you who trust God, God says, I've got a good plan for your life to give you a future and a hope. You can trust God's word on this. And so when your box is full of uncertainty, will you choose to believe that God can be trusted? Even if you've lost something really, really precious and you don't see the future, Will you turn to him? Will you trust him? Because God loves you. And God wants to be a part of your life if you just look to him and trust him. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. When your life is uncertain, put your full trust in Jesus to save you. Now you'd expect a preacher to say that, right? Put your full trust in Jesus to save you. But I need to say something to you. Sitting in church on Christmas doesn't save you. I wish it did. But just being in a church setting doesn't save anybody. The Bible says trusting 
in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, the one you trust, that's what saves you. So I want to ask all of you, what are you trusting in these days? Who or what are you trusting in to save you? If the virgin birth actually happened, what is your response to that? Because every other baby born in the history of the world was conceived only one way, except this baby. This baby wasn't conceived between a man and a woman, but the Bible says by the Holy Spirit of God. If that actually happened, what's your response? And why a virgin birth in the first place? You know, most of us are familiar with the Christmas story a little bit, but why a virgin birth? Well, the Bible says that Jesus was fully human and fully God. That Jesus Christ was actually God in the flesh, God coming to earth, the incarnation of the living God. We like to say it this way. Jesus had to be fully human to experience all the vulnerability and pain that we humans do, but he also had to be fully God to pay the infinite penalty that our sins deserve. I mean, think about this. Only God could pay the debt of the world's sin. I mean, just take the amount of sin that's represented in this one room here, this one campus. I mean, my own sins alone, thousands of sins. But add all your sins. I mean, it's mind-blowing all the sins that you people committed. <laughs> and I have too. I had all the campuses and all, people, and all the people around the world. Only God, only God could take the sin of the world on himself and pay for it and provide a way so that you and I could be forgiven and set free. And so Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. Who can say that? Only him. He performed miracles to prove his divinity. And then he was killed on a cross for our sins. And he was raised from the dead so that your sins and mine can be forgiven. And that our death would also be overcome. And we have promise of eternal life. The angel said to Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus means the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. You know, there's a lot of powerful names in the world, aren't there? You know, for example, Warren Buffett, he has unbelievable power. He just says something and whole markets will change. But he's not Jesus. He can't save anybody. How about Steve Jobs, founder of Apple? How would you like to be the founder of Apple? Oh, man. Inventor of the iPhone. Incredible power. In 2011, Apple surpassed ExxonMobil as the world's most valuable company, but then Steve Jobs died at age 56. Jobs had amazing power, but he wasn't Jesus. He couldn't save himself. How about Oprah? Does Oprah have power? I mean, she makes whole careers out of people, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, I mean... She holds up a book, and it's an immediate New York Times bestseller. Oprah has amazing power. 
but she is not Jesus. And she can't save a soul. How about Taylor Swift? Does she have power? I mean, if you date and then break up with Taylor Swift, you know what she'll do? She'll write a song about you that'll sell millions, and then the whole world will know what a dirty rat you are. She has amazing power. But Taylor Swift is not Jesus. She can't save a soul. How about Tiger Woods? Is he powerful? In the year 2000, Nike wanted to use Tiger's name to endorse their products, so he signed a five-year deal worth $102 million just to use his name. Powerful name. But he's not Jesus. Far from it. Can't save himself. Maybe not even his career. There's only one name. There's only one person. Friends, only Jesus can answer your prayers, and I know that because he, he's, he's answered my prayers. Only Jesus can forgive sins because I know that he's forgiven my sins. Only Jesus can heal your heart or free you from an addiction. Only Jesus can mend a marriage that is not doing well. Only Jesus can raise you from the dead because he was raised from the dead and broke that curse. Only Jesus can take whatever is missing in your box, whatever is missing in your life, and he can fill it so full of his love that you don't have to live with uncertainty or fear anymore. He's the one. Mike Emmert is our campus pastor at Blaine. Mike's a fantastic human being, and his wife Marlene is too. They have four amazing kids. But just eight weeks ago, the Emmert family box became filled with uncertainty. And I want you to hear what they have to say about that, and then I'll come back up and finish. Watch this. When I think of Christmas, I think of family time and warm, cozy feelings, baking and decorating and all those wonderful things. It's also a time of reflection. And as I think back to this last year, there were some really good moments, but then there were some really tough ones too. Thursday afternoon, October 20th, I found myself going into the ER after a week of feeling very nauseous and having a lot of abdominal pain. I had had hernia surgery six months prior to that day, and I remember thinking the pain was related to that, and so I didn't think it was anything serious at the time. Once I got to the emergency room, they pretty much ruled out that it had anything to do with my hernia, and from there they ran a CT scan, and the next day they ordered an MRI. That's pretty much when I found out what was going on. I had cancer. The doctor said that I had a rare form of carcinoid cancer which had spread to my liver and he gave me a 50% chance of living past 10 years. The strange part was everything was okay and then you know, a day or two later everything's turned upside down. And it's not normal, it's cancer 
uh, thought that went through my head right away was, um, I'm scared and I don't know what to do and is she going to survive? How long is she going to be around? What's it going to be like uh, without her? It was so surreal of going, okay, when am I going to wake up because this really isn't happening to me, I'm just dreaming. We've learned that it's treatable but not curable. And so it's gonna become a new normal for us having to go probably to doctor visits you know, for the rest of my life and having to be tested and scanned. Almost every day I fight feelings of fear and the unknown, looking ahead. Okay, so what if this treatment doesn't work? What will I look like? What will I be like? Will I be able to function as a mom? Will I be able to care for my husband? Will I be able to cook and do the things I like to do? I think with anything in life that we go through that's hard, either we can choose to be miserable and bitter, or we can choose to lean into God and trust Him. And I think we went through a time of grieving initially, and that was important for us to do that. But then it came to a point where we realized we can't just stay there. We need to move forward. And it was like God just reminded me constantly that He was present and He was there for me. And I felt like everything suddenly changed the way I looked at things, my perspective. And this might sound crazy, but I've even been thankful for this cancer because of the intimacy that it's brought into my life with Jesus like I've not had before. It's there, it's real, and, and that's where my hope comes from because I know He loves me. Yeah, there's been a peace because of Jesus that I think that I haven't felt before uh, because I've never felt this, the unknown so much before. And I think we have comfort in this because of the hope that we have in Jesus, even though we don't know how the story's gonna end. The fact is all of us are gonna die someday. And for me, what I'm discovering through this is that even though everything in life is uncertain, I know without a doubt that I can be certain of God and who He is. And He knows my circumstances better than I do, and He has a well-laid-out plan for my life. And I feel like, why wouldn't I trust that? Because I know He's got a future for me, whether it's here on this earth or in eternity someday. I know that, that he's with me. He's by my side through it all. I really love Mike and Marlene, and I appreciate them willing to share their story. A lot of uncertainty. And one of the things that Marlene said was that we all have a, a day when our life on this earth will end. All of us. We're all terminal. It's just a matter when. And that's not meant to scare anybody. But, you know, gang, as a pastor, I really love you. 
I don't know most of you. What I mean by that, I, I really care about your life. I, I care that your life goes well on earth. And I really, really care that you all have a relationship with Christ that will carry you to heaven one day. And so I just want to ask everybody one more time, what are you trusting in to get you through the uncertainties in life? Seriously. Who or what is your full trust in to not only get you through this life, but to get you through that day when it's your day and nobody knows when that day will come. And so it's Christmas, and I want to give folks a chance to pray a prayer. And a lot of you have prayed this prayer, and you're believers in Christ. You know that God has a plan for your life, and you're pursuing that plan. It's not a religion for you. It's a relationship with the living Lord, like Marlene and Mike said. This isn't a religion. Jesus is real to them. Jesus is in their life and dwells them by his spirit. He guides them, they worship him, they pursue him. And he has given them an uncommon assurance and peace that a lot of people don't have. And so for those of us who are believers, you know, we're just here to celebrate all of that all over again. But if you're uncertain of your trust and your faith, I'm going to give you a chance to pray a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud, but you can pray it just where you're seated at all campuses or watching online in front of a computer. You can just pray this prayer quietly where you are. You don't need to pray it out loud because God knows your heart. But I just want to invite people all over, whoever's watching this, campuses, if you just bow your head right now, let me lead you in a prayer, all of us. Let's just bow in prayer. God, thank you so much that you so love this world, that you so loved each person here and watching online. You so loved every one of us that you came to this planet. You sent your son, Jesus, fully human, fully God, to live a sinless life, perform miracles, to die a cruel death, and then rise again. So if you are sitting here today and you want to put your full trust in the living Jesus who is willing to save you, who is willing to heal you, who is willing to guide you through this life and fill you with his, his love, and his peace. Let me lead you in this prayer, and the prayer goes something like this. Just breathe this prayer if you're sincere. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me like you do. Thank you for providing a way for my sins to be forgiven by your death and resurrection. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that there is a pathway to heaven because you broke the curse. Not anybody else but you. And so right now, right here, Christmas 2016, I am putting my full trust in you as my Savior, as my God,
as the one I will worship and follow from this day forward. It's not about a religion. It's about knowing you, Jesus, and trusting you in a personal way. Come into my life. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. And start to rebuild my life as you have planned and purposed to do. Today I become a Christian, a real one. Thank you for saving me in this moment and for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, two things before you leave, real quick. If you prayed that prayer, best, best day of your life, you're forgiven, you're free from sin. And if you prayed that prayer, a couple of options, we have what's called next steps because there are some next steps you need to take to grow in Christ and you can visit that in our lobby. It's somewhere out there, next step table or whatever on the walls or whatever. Or you can text us, believe, the word believe, 555-888 and we'll send you some resources. Finally, there's an ornament bobber for all of you as you leave to remind you of the series called Hooked that you're not gonna wanna miss. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you as you leave today.